This is Pat Perdue's Customer Experience Podcast. Every episode, we take a closer look at companies who are getting customer experience right from over the phone, social, apps, or in person. There are some companies that are just really good at this. What are they doing differently to make great customer experience happen? Listen in and find out. Pat Perdue's Customer Experience Podcast starts now. Hey, welcome back to the show. And oh my God, I still cannot get over that snazzy intro. Pat Purdue's Customer Experience Podcast starts now. (laughs) Freaking love that. And I'm so freaking glad you can join us today. You're going to love our show. And hey, how's your day going? Regardless of what time of day you're listening, I'm hoping you've already been able to chalk up some wins for yourself and maybe even for your customers too, because they're keeping the lights on and it's really easy to forget that. Speaking of chalking up a win for your customers, I've got a question for you. How could adding a digital component to your business improve the overall customer experience you're giving to your customers? Now, depending on how digital your company already is, that answer can vary. So I'm especially considering organizations, and by that I mean teams or departments or companies or even brands that provide products or services primarily in a human-to-human way. How might digital make that experience better without threatening the human-to-human component? This episode explores that precise question using the example of the local restaurant. And our guest today has created a tremendously successful organization that answers that question and improves customer experience in the local restaurant industry in a lot of surprising ways, including actually enhancing the human-to-human relationship. Okay, so let me tell you about our guest. Raymond Reddy is the co-founder and CEO of Ritual. We'll get to what Ritual is in a moment. But prior to Ritual, Ray co-founded the mobile commerce company Pushlife that was acquired by Google in 2011. And then Ray joined Google. At Google, Ray led mobile product management for shopping and e-commerce. And it was while at Google that Ray saw the potential to better leverage a social application to unlock mobile commerce, and thus Ritual was born. So, Ritual... Ritual is a hugely successful mobile pickup app that takes the hassle and stress out of going for the office lunch run or office coffee run. Here's how. The app lets you find a restaurant nearby, place an order. It even lets your colleagues jump on that lunch run as well by placing their own orders. They pay for their order on the app. And then the order is waiting for you when you get there to pick it up. It's fast and easy pick up and pay at a wide variety of local restaurants and coffee shops. Also, by giving friends and colleagues the ability to add their own food orders onto an existing order, Ritual gives you the choice of either picking up your food yourself or having your food brought right to your desk by a colleague. This social ordering saves time and drives incremental orders for the merchant. Ritual works with restaurants across North America, the UK, and Australia. Ray and I talk about how Ritual gives their restaurant partners a competitive edge using technology, which drives profitability and even creates a more personalized way for the local restaurant to connect with their customers. I joined Ray at the Ritual offices in Toronto, and they're exactly what you'd imagine. A large open space, some fun stuff written on the walls, lots of exposed brick, people, some standing, some sitting, some huddled in impromptu clusters around laptops. This is the quintessential tech startup vibe. The energy was definitely palpable. 
Ray and I spoke in one of the breakout offices, glass and closed, of course, and the first thing I wanted to know was when he and his co-founder came up with Ritual, what was the specific problem they had wanted to solve? And the conversation quickly moves to the surprising ways digital is transforming the restaurant customer experience and how Ritual works with their partner restaurants to help them improve their own CX and also increase profitability. And now my conversation with Ritual co-founder and CEO, Ray Reddy. The way that digital has transformed um, retail, transportation, uh, you know, a, a, every major segment of life really has been has been transformed, you know, through, through digital. Um, but one of the things that really hasn't is local businesses and, and restaurants, right? So, um, you know, the way in which you interact and hail a taxi today is fundamentally different than it sure. was seven years ago. Sure. The way you buy, you know, shop for a product is fundamentally different than it was 15 years ago. And I don't mean the delivery part of it. I mean, like the interface for shopping is sure. different, right? Um, and, and we believe that, uh, that local, the way that people will interface with and transact from and build relationships with local businesses will also change through digital transformation in the same way. And what's driving that change? What is the, what's the thing that says, yeah, we have to be doing this differently now? Well, I, I, think, I think that we just believe that digital is better. So, so I think what's driving it is um, ultimately what digital allows is convenience, predictability, lack of anonymity so both sides know each other there's like you know an, um, they're, they're known entities on both sure. sides sure I'm thinking um, of the Uber model where we always know the identity of our Uber driver for example predictable yeah uh, it, it digital kind of makes the real world a little more predictable a little more convenient and, and it speeds it up right sure uh, so I think for all of those reasons it's um, uh, we just believe digital is better and I think it's a hard problem in local uh, a lot of a lot of different there's been a lot of different approaches on how companies have tried to solve this problem um, you know through the loyalty angle sure uh, you know people have built very similar products to ritual and a lot of them have failed um, what know, do you so, think is the contributing factor to Ritual's success versus those other products that yeah, you just mentioned it, it's a really simple one um, we one of the things we understood um, or we, we hypothesized at least and we proved very quickly in, in 2014 when we launched the product was that um, local is, the way I like to, to describe it is that local is more like social than it is like building um, SaaS products and software. What I mean by that is uh, if you think about an app like Ritual, um, the software itself has almost no value. It's only as good as the coverage of the network around you. Okay, and it's kind of like thinking about what is the value of something like Instagram or Twitter if you're not Nobody if you don't have a network, yeah. right? Um, and so, and so, local is the same way. And I think that we thought about that differently, which was I think a lot of a lot of companies prior to us thought that the product really had had a lot of the value. And it, I think just where we were on the spectrum was different. We we thought of it as a software had nearly zero value to the customer. It was all about network and coverage. Okay. And that and that forced us to just approach the problem very differently. That's a completely different paradigmatic approach yeah. To, yeah. to arriving at a similar end, but yeah. your starting point seems to be a bit exactly. different. Exactly. So, so I think it's confusing to a lot of people because they look at it and they say, this looks a lot like a lot of other things that, sure. ha that haven't worked out. Uh, but I think the nuance is in the approach. And for example, we focus on neighborhoods, not cities, because what we realize is that, you know, there's 12,000 restaurants in, in the GTA. No one is eating at 
anywhere near uh, that many restaurants. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> so, so all of your all of your spend happens within a five minute walk of where you work or where you live, and so yeah. it's a very it's a very like hyper local thing. And so what matters to us is, you know, having having good coverage in small local areas, and then and then growing that footprint over time. So I think it it, it seems um, seems like an obvious insight, but it 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 forced us to totally organize ourselves differently as a company in terms of how we approach it. And you're growing building by building, neighborhood by neighborhood, rather than... I mean, it means, you know, at scale, what it means is we can launch many, many, many neighborhoods at a time. But I think the, the point is that um, the product works or doesn't work at a neighborhood level, yep. not at a city, a city level or a country level. Yep. I think it's a it's an important way, it's an important difference on how we look at the world. Did you find it or do you find it challenging being, you know, it, it's a technology, it's a technology app. Yeah. Um, and some of your potentially some of your customers may or may not be um, as technologically prepared to work with their customers on a digital basis. Did you find that to be any yeah. any kind of a challenge? Yeah, um, you know, I think uh, one of the things that we also understood early on. It's interesting that you say it's a technology app. You know, I think the question is um, the the hard question we had to we we had to get a lot of clarity on in the beginning was what is our product. Sure. Right. Like, what what are we really selling to customers? Like, what are they buying from us? And um, at first, it sounds like it's an app. But when you think about it, the way I think about it is, we're actually selling a five second in store experience. Absolutely. Right? And that's our product. The app, and and so the the important point is the app is just a remote control for for that experience, and it's very easy to get distracted and confused on what you're actually what what you're actually building and what the actual value is that you're providing to people. Sure. And I and I think the the important point there is the way that we when you, when you talk about the customer experience, um, it's it's easy for for companies who build apps to think that that is that that's all that matters, right? Um, but we see it very differently. In fact, um, we 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 think that the real world experience is really all that matters, and and we prove that in the very early days by. Uh, the original app that we built, I think we built it in something like four weeks. Okay. It was, it was uh, pretty, pretty um, horrendous looking. Um, and uh, but we, we, again, what we believed was it didn't kind of matter. Sure. Okay? That it didn't have to be, it didn't really have to prove the point we were trying to prove, which was if we could deliver high coverage and a good experience in store, right? Then the app was not really, I mean, it, it would be nice if it looked Right. and had all the bells and whistles, but it was um, not necessary. Got it. So, and I think we proved that very early on. In the first, within the first three or four months of starting Ritual, we, we, we knew that. And so I think that's, again, uh, you know, we have an entire team of people. One of the largest teams in our company is the team that owns the in-store experience. And that's what I was, that was exactly where my next question was going to be. Yeah. That's, that's the thing you're selling. I mean, this is the value that you're adding to your consumers. Yeah. How do you manage it, control it, and ensure that you're, you're delivering the experience that you're intending to deliver? Yeah. Um, I think one of the... So, you know, this, this sort of starts to get into why is digital better, right? And if you think about it from a restaurant's perspective, um, they... Um, being a restaurant operator today is really difficult. So, so you know... Just think about, um, let's say you own three stores or four mm -hmm. stores, okay. Um, staff turnover is high, okay. Um, how, how do you predict success or failure if you're a restaurant? Well, you know, you know, so you know that things, let's say things aren't going well, sales are declining. 
Okay. Why? You don't know. You probably don't know. Well, you and you can't know because right. all you have is a POS that spits out uh, daily order, you know, sales, and and a lot of things change, and you have no idea why. Right. right? Okay. What if you could? But but then think about in a digital world. Um, just think about. So this was also true in retail, right? I like to draw the contrast to retail a lot because. It's fall. It's basically there. I think about it is local is going to be like retail, just ten years behind. Sure. Right? And it's and it's and so that's a good way to think about like what what is the world going to look like in a few years. And so if you think about retail, um, all the digital metrics that that an online retailer can measure now are um, things like retention rate, repeat purchase rate, lifetime value of a customer, um, what products cause people to convert better and retain better, um, customer service. Yep. Okay. Um, order error rates, okay, um, and these are like very relevant things in, in the restaurant business. And 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 by the way, they vary quite widely. Forget about across restaurants; even within the same restaurant, they can vary by by month. They can vary by location. And so the point is just that restaurants are almost operating blindfolded today. They have they have no idea what the internals of their restaurant looks like. They they turn over staff often has um, food quality drop. Has order um, you know errors in your orders? Has that increased? Um, you know, are for whatever reason are people visiting less frequently? Um, you know, because maybe uh, there's a competitive restaurant in a neighborhood that's opened up. Like you know, but for you to even begin to understand the impacts that these things are having, if you can't measure things, um, you, you know, you're, it's all guesswork, and there's no you, you don't have any confidence in really working on solutions right. because you don't really know what the problem is, right? right. And I think that's, so the starting point is that is the state of the world today. Um, and so without us doing anything, we're not, we don't do anything terribly smart or dramatic. We simply allow you to measure the basic things that you would want to measure as a business, right? Um, you just didn't have that capability before, and with digital you do. And the way we do that is um, a customer rates every order, right? They tell us if it was, and, and although we don't get a rating on every single order, our sampling rate is very high, mm-hmm. right? Um, that it's statistically significant. Um, often when we make up, you know, 20, the one we start to make up 20, 30, 40% of a restaurant's orders, which, you know, we do for, we, we can for many, many restaurants, um, we start to become a good proxy for what sure. the rest of your store looks like. So even though we're only maybe a third of your orders, it's, it's a good representative uh, sample of what the rest of it, and, and relatively speaking, when you compare it across stores, you know, you compare it across time frames, it's kind of a source of truth on how a restaurant is doing. Right? Got it. Um, and so, again, the, the, the basic things around the experience that we can measure are speed. How fast was it, right? Speed is good um, because it, it equates to convenience. Um, and so the faster that restaurants can, uh, you know, deliver things to, you know, to people, get, get food out, have stuff ready for pickup, um, the sooner that a, a customer can be in and out of a store, the better, Okay, uh, so we think about it as just like speeding up local commerce, right? Um, and as you know from the internet, like faster is always better. Fast is good. Right? Um, the second thing we, we do is we're able to measure things like you know, how often an order was wrong. We can, and we can plot trend lines over time. So, uh, you know, restaurant operators can look at, well, okay, why, why has something gone up? Is it because staff has changed? Is it a training issue? Is it we changed our supplier? You know, they can start to figure out what the causes of these problems are. Um, 
And they can measure the extent of those problems. And, and measured across stores. And, yeah. and, and then there's some really, you know, the moment you go into a multi-store, you know, operation, then it's like, why is it higher or lower in certain stores? Yeah. And, and it forces them to understand, you know, develop best practices, you know, maybe move a manager from one store to another to try and, uh, you know, fix a problem. So all of a sudden, they're getting a lot of insights into their operation and how to fix it. And so for us... You know, the question is like, well, how do we deliver that experience? So what we realize is we, we're, in part, we're they're, they're truly partners to us, right? We provide one part of the experience, but they provide the other. Um, and if it doesn't to a, the, the important thing that I think we realize is that a, an end customer, they can't differentiate what's Ritual's fault versus what, a rest, what sure. is a restaurant's fault when something goes wrong, right? Conversely, when something goes right too, it's like, it, it, it's, a, it's a system. And the system either works or it doesn't. Um, and so I think we have to take ownership over the end-to-end experience, which means the way that, um, you know, all the way to the interaction between um, a staff member at a restaurant who doesn't even, who, who doesn't work for us, sure. right? Um, but that frontline employee is ultimately interacting with our, our joint end customer. And they're sort of the human face of ritual yeah, at that moment. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it becomes, and if you think about how, you know, that's very different than delivery, Right. Um, the, the core delivery experience is a driver interacting with you at your door, right? You almost never step foot into a restaurant as sure. an end customer. So, so although, again, it, it, it seems nuanced, but they're actually very different customer experience problems. One is, um, you know, an employee of a delivery company, uh, you know, sort of interacting with you at your door. The other is a, the frontline staff of um, a restaurant interacting with you in the store. Right. And they're 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 different. Right. And um, you mentioned 20, 30, 40 percent of uh, stores business might come from ritual orders. Yeah. That's a huge shift in, you know, the, in the, what happens. The, the, the even more salient point is that when you add up ritual and, and, and delivery and, and other digital sources, the vast majority of restaurants in downtown cores have more than half of their sales um, coming from digital sources. So the argument the interesting point here is that restaurants have already crossed over. They're sure. digital, they're digital first businesses today, right? More than half their orders for, for the vast majority of restaurants don't come from walk-in customers. Hmm. And if you think about that, so again, this, you know, another aspect of customer experience is, um, you know, one part is an app. One part is um, um, the, the actual experience in store. But because these are physical things, right. um, the physical store actually matters, right? And uh, actually, a part of some some parts of what we do is actually getting involved in food court design. Well, this is exactly where design. this is exactly where I was going with with yeah. this idea. What do what do stores need to do differently yeah. in order to, to support the volume of business that they might get by participating so, so, with ritual? So, three, so th- we're seeing, um, and, and it's it's a it's a list of three things. So if you say, how will a restaurant, you know, ten years from now, or, or even right now, how how who, how are restaurants that are being built? today different than restaurants that were built 10 years ago? How are food courts that are being built today you know, different than food courts from 10 years ago? Um, I'd say there's um, three, uh, but, um, three or four um, important differences. So um, one is um, there's a reversal of the store layout. And what I mean by that is in a normal flow, um, people come into the store, they need to order first, and they need to go pick up the order later. Okay? So the, the, the logical way to organize a store is you, you walk in, you order, you then pick up. The problem is that it creates massive congestion when half of the people don't need to order and just need to pick up. Okay, so now you get this weird problem of people having to cut through lines to get to the other side. 
So, you, so most new stores, um, new restaurants, and in, in, in new food, food court designs make it invert that order. Okay. So actually, the first thing you, can, you do when you come in is you can just pick up. You don't need to cut through the order line to pick up your food. Okay. So I think that's the that's the, the first step. So making it even easier for people who've ordered outside of your store. Um, the second is the in-store experience. How's, how does that differ? Um, so two big things that we see. One is um, most counter space wasn't designed for 50 to 100 orders waiting for pickup. Okay? Um, it's designed because, it's, because typically when people are ordering in store, it's kind of like a, um, a queue that, that just Sure, keeps, and the volume you know, is relatively consistent between consistent. in-store That's orders right. and in-store That's pickups. Right. But now what, what, we, what can happen in digital is you can get these immense spikes. And even though a restaurant can fulfill, they can sometimes have problems on like, where do I keep 50 orders waiting for pickup? Okay? So what we're starting to see is you have to have vertical shelving. Okay. That's the only. That's really the only solution. So um, you'll start to see a lot of stores having either uh, pick up um, some vertical shelving format, whether that's you know mounted walls or, 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 or laid out that way. Some way of organizing fifty orders. We even see um, because less because you don't need cashiers now as much. Um, what we're seeing is again a reorientation of labor inside of stores. So um, instead of a cashier, you actually almost need a concierge sure. to help people who are coming in. Uh, find their order quickly, you know, and leave. So we start to see very busy stores using um, employees in that way now. Um, less cashiers, more more people to help on the pickup side. Um, the other one is uh, even the concept of um, menu boards. When the vast majority of people have already ordered, uh, if you think about it, a big part of a store is designed to help you order, right? right? Um, but you don't need that anymore. Uh, but instead, what you have is again, you you can sometimes have a traffic control problem, <clears throat> right? You've got delivery drivers and hundreds of people who've already ordered who are coming into the store. And because of the peak demand problem uh, that restaurants have, you know, everyone biologically has to eat at roughly the same time. And everybody day. needs to pick up their order. That's right. Like there's a logistics problem there That's too. Right. So I think um, helping, um, uh, so for example, uh, one of the things that we rolled out very um, very recently um, are digital pickup signs, and what that what that means is that they're tablets that actually have the names and ready times of customers. Right, so as soon as you walk in, um, there's an immediate uh, you know prompt there of like, okay, my order is going to be up in five minutes. I don't need to bother the staff right now. Whereas people who are you know whose orders are, are, are marked as ready now know that. It's waiting for pickup, so it helps without everyone because the, because the other challenges if people don't know they're going to walk up to the staff, sure, and and so so it actually s- slows them down, but also creates another bottleneck of everyone wanting to talk to you know the frontline staff on hey where's my order right, right. so making that um, you know having an information board um, is actually more helpful than showing a menu. Now, how closely does Ritual get involved, restaurant by restaurant, in managing this experience when you launch a partner? Early on, um, until we understood the problem, um, so, so again, if you, if you start with, um, we, own, we have to take responsibility for the end-to-end experience. What that means is that we need to understand it all. So in the, in the, in the beginning, and even today often, um, we literally get into the kitchen with our partners sometimes, members of our ops team. It can be around how to make uh, fulfillment more efficient. It can be um, uh, just very, various things to help us understand how it works. What I would say is that, We've now got it down to patterns 
that we understand and recognize. So, mm-hmm. so there's not an infinite number of, of uh, you know, of types of, of operations of restaurants. There's actually just maybe seven or eight different styles, either based on cuisine type. You know, all sushi spots tend to operate a very similar way. All salad, you know, spots that are made to order operate a certain way. You know, they have prep lines versus kitchens. And so we've now we've now got it down to like, okay, this is the type of restaurant you are. Here are best practices for how people, you know, restaurants like you uh, would do this. In fact, one of the big things that we're increasingly uh, able to provide now because of the footprint, because we're starting to have a global footprint, we're starting to see good ideas sometimes from different countries. How and say, interesting. Yeah, and be like, you know, here's how, here's how um, you know, I can, and I can give you later on an interesting example in, in coffee and something we observed in Australia uh, that I think we're going to start bringing back to, to North America. Um, but just on the previous point on uh, how, how is a store going to be different? The, so, so the in-store experience is different. Um, the last point is fulfillment. Um, and this actually is very similar to e-commerce. Um, when retail started, when, when retail started going online, the first thing that all retailers said was, well, let's try to fulfill from our stores. Okay? Then what they realized was that online fulfillment is actually different than people who are, who are walking in. It's actually very inefficient to try to fulfill from, from a store. So they have dedicated fulfillment centers now for their online operations. Sure. Right? We're starting to see something similar happen with restaurants, where today everything's fulfilled out of the store. But what we're starting to see now is a few different things happen. Um, one is they're actually creating secondary prep kitchens to fulfill digital orders because there's slight nuances sometimes on how they're packed. Um, for example, often you know uh, salad dressings will be put on the side, not mixed in, and, and it, it can kind of disrupt the existing walk-in queue to do that. So we're starting to see when people are doing hundreds of orders a day through, through digital, um, if they have room, uh, they often will have a secondary kitchen um, for that. And then even beyond that, we're starting to see some restaurants actually move, especially for delivery, rather than burdening, if they have five stores, rather than burdening all five stores with the delivery operation, actually dedicate either the slowest one or, or open a dark store. You know, the, the, the dark kitchen concept is something that's starting to grow, which is like literally a kitchen that isn't open for walk-ins. It only does digital fulfillment, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so I think those are the types of things we're starting to see in terms of how, how restaurants are physically changing to adapt to the fact that they're, they're now omni-channel, right? They have, they have digital and walk-in uh, customers. So tell me about the coffee story from Australia. Yeah, so, you know, one of the things we, um, we saw, so Australia is, Australia is a really unique, interesting and unique market. Um, it is one of the only markets in the world where uh, Starbucks didn't win. Uh, so there's only a handful of Starbucks stores in all of Australia, which is a, which is a really weird... <laughs> Uh, a weird thing to see. Um, so weird. And okay. so, and so, what 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 happened was independent coffee won yeah. in Australia. Um, uh, so I, there's not, and I actually don't know of any other market in the world that, that's that's true in in the same way that it is there. So coffee is a big big deal, um, you know, in, uh, in in Sydney and 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 those cities. And one of the things we saw uh, was how they how they operated at, um, during peak times. So in North America, just as you'd expect, you know, all coffees are made to order. Um, what they do there to get around it is when they hit their peak morning rush, they just start pulling espresso as fast as they can. It's actually not made to order. It's kind of almost like the McDonald's model. Sure. Just, just make them and trust that someone, there's going to be enough espresso drinks ordered that it will line up in the end and sure. work out. It makes and a lot of sense. It, it does. And, and by doing that, they're able to get dramatically more fulfillment um, through their peak period 
than they could if they were on a on a on a you know wait to order basis. So that's something that we we, we saw that was very interesting. And mm-hmm. and you know some of our busiest coffee spots um, actually you know the, the the problem sometimes that we have is um, digital makes things so accessible and so convenient that. Um, the problem sometimes can be that restaurants can't fulfill fast enough, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that there's actually more demand than they can than they can handle. So actually, a, a big part of what we sometimes have to work on with them is how to increase their fulfillment efficiency to do more, right? So there's all kinds of things. I mean, that's an example on coffee. Um, oftentimes, it can be um, how do they prep ahead of lunch rush? Like what what kind of data and insights can we give them on things that they can pre-prepare? Right. Sure. Um, and and how does it help cut down fulfillment time? You know, during during their peak. It sounds like course. working with Ritual is a masterclass in running a restaurant. Do you find are they are your restaurant partners surprised at the amount of input you have in their normal day to day business operations? Yeah, I, I think they are. I think that we're unlike. Um, we we never saw this as a differentiator. We saw this as um, look if you're going to take if you're going to take um, responsibility for the end to end experience, then you just have to have a no excuses attitude, right? So it doesn't matter if something broke down in their in the way that they fulfill or their kitchen. Like the customer is going to blame us for it if something goes wrong, right? So I think that that's the the ethos under which we we started to operate in the beginning. But I think what we realized was that um, most other Partners, um, you know, delivery companies, et cetera, don't really operate in that way. Yeah. And and so I do think that in the end, it's become a very valuable differentiator. And I think restaurants see us as um, being in the trenches with them and really understanding their business, um, whereas a lot of the others are, you know, trying to trying to do the minimum amount they can do to take their, you know, their cut of fees. Sure. Um, you know, whereas we we truly care about the the end experience. Right? Is is there an ideal? restaurant partner for you and i'm sort of getting if you're going to own the experience yeah. then there some restaurant partners might be better suited to working with you than others yeah um i think the way we think about it is what you know most customers aren't you even though a lot of restaurants think of it as a customer is loyal to them what we really see is customers are loyal to the neighborhood that they're in Okay, and um, that that that's really the only thing they're they're, they're really loyal to, and and what that means is like, look, um, I might be loyal to this coffee shop, but if a better coffee shop opens up next door, you know, the vast majority of people will go, will will go to that one, and and better can mean different things. It can mean price point, it can mean better quality, it can mean closer and more convenient, sure. it can be faster. So there's a lot of ways to define better based on different types of customers and you know what matters to them. So I, I think that we we just believe that we need to be representative of the assortment in a neighborhood because there's different types of customers and they want different things and we have to give it all to them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in saying that, I think there's there's certain things that uh, when we find restaurants that are, there are certain things that can be changed and certain things that cannot be changed. So if you've got um, new, re- new restaurant layouts, do better for us, they just do. When a store is organized to be digital first, um, it means that we can that together the restaurant and us can provide a better customer experience, right? It means that customers don't have to fight through a busy line to pick up their order. That's helpful. And in a store that's not organized the right way, there's there's not much we can really do to compensate for a, a poorly laid out store, right? Sure. So I think in those so I think the way we see it is um, in those cases we have to do the best we can do given the physical limitations. Um, but in new restaurants, so what we the way you solve that problem is we work with restaurants sometimes now before. So a lot of times now, 
and restaurants are opening a new location, they will consult with us before they do that, right? Um, and we, we will talk to them about these kinds of things. Um, the, the layout, um, having additional you know, fulfillment capacity, uh, things like that that can help to deliver a better experience. So, so I'd say um, stores, you know, if I had to distill it down to one thing, I would say stores that understand that this is different and important and want to work with us on it mm-hmm. um, and, and realize that this is not just about trying to jam digital into their existing experience. It's not like a bolt-on. It's, it's, in, bolt it's an integral part of how they do business. That's right. And, and, it has to, and they have to think about it and optimize for it slightly differently um, than they would. And, and it's, you know, oftentimes it's hard when you're doing 10 orders a day, right? It's hard to convince um, a restaurant operator that they should be doing something, that they should invest a lot of effort in that part of their business. So I, I would say it's a weird, um, it's a weird chicken and the egg problem. Um, it will only succeed if restaurants invest and believe in this as being something different, but it's often hard to get them, to get operators to think that way until you show success. And so it's like a weird chicken and egg thing. Sure. Right? And are you able to say, well, here's here's a restaurant just like you, and this is the journey that they've been on? You know, like success helps, right? So at, at some point, now that we are as big as we are in a lot of the cities we operate in, I think the results speak for itself. How many cities so, are you in now? Uh, we're in about 20 right now, uh, you know, launching many, many more this year. Uh, so I think so. I think over time it gets easier and easier, right? The, the, uh, this is not a foreign concept. Um, most restaurants, you know, will will reference their peer group, and when they see that it's working for you know other restaurants in their neighborhood, you know, sometimes hearing it from their um, fellow restaurant entrepreneur partners are, are you know that means more than hearing it from us often. So I think um, success and scale just help um, this problem. But in the early days, it was the you know the more open minded. Um, uh, you, you know, restaurant entrepreneurs that were the ones who did the sure. best. Right? Early adopters. Early adopters, yeah. They, they, they tended to do the best. And control. You have a ton of information about the restaurant industry and restaurant business. Did you have any idea when you first started Ritual that you would be able to provide all of this added value to your restaurant partners? Or is this a realization that has grown along with Ritual? I think I think it's grown for sure. Um, you know, I think we we knew that one of the things, one of the advantages we would have in the early days was that we would be one of the few platforms that have item level information. So again, you know, it's not that we just know that you go to this coffee shop. We know that you go to this coffee shop and you specifically drink cappuccinos and like blueberry scones. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, credit card companies don't have that kind of data. So there, there's very few sources of that, that level of detail. And I think what that, what that means for us is um, we can help restaurants and people um, to, you know, because the way we think about it is the, there might be 10 restaurants around you, but really the right way to think about it, there's 500 things you could eat within a five-minute walk of you. What should you eat, right? So we're excited about um, getting down to item-level recommendations and, and, and going beyond, you know, the, the physical store and talk about like what, the food that's in it or the drinks sure. that are in it. Right. So I think there's a lot of exciting, um, uh, exciting new discovery avenues that are going to open up. And again, this is, this, this, it all follows the same theme, which is that digital changes everything. Right. So I think, um, you know, and we kind of, um, prior to maybe about a year ago, our main focus was on the end customer. We, we operationally focused on, on, on restaurants, but from a software perspective, we yes. focused on the end customer. Um, I think now a lot of our focus is shifting 
um, to being an, almost an even focus on both sides. So we're investing a lot in data and insights and, and exposing a lot of the data we have to our restaurant partners in a way that's digestible, understandable, and actionable, most importantly. Like, what can I do with this, right? How do you improve retention? And, you know, as you do those things, it, 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 helps, it helps everyone, right? Um, so I think that's kind of how we think about data today, which is um, how do we use it to, to get our restaurant partners to run their businesses better? So even if I walk into a restaurant that just has a ritual sign posted, yeah. Yeah. it's a better run restaurant. Generally. Yeah. Generally. If, if, if for no other reason, because they have data and access to data and insights that their POS could never give them. Fascinating. Fascinating. Where do you see ritual headed? Um, in addition to the expansion and the scaling and, and all of that, in terms of uh, maybe a product delivery or uh, user experience, yeah. any changes on the horizon um, that you were you know, at liberty I, to share? <laughs> yeah, I, I think... I think it's 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 probably easy to forecast um, what's coming up in in the sense of if you go back if you go back to the roots of, of you know what we believe it's that digital makes things better, right? Um, a good example of how you know and, and we don't even though we're labeled as a mobile order ahead company, um, we think about that we think about mobile ordering as just the it's the transactional rails that we need to build between people and stores. Like how do you inject an order into a store so that fulfillment can start? Okay? Mm -hmm. And someone has to build that infrastructure. And so really um, the last four years for us has been building the railroad tracks, right? Um, and now we're excited to build the actual trains on top of those tracks, right? To build um, really compelling um, features and products that can't exist without these sort of digital rails. And a good example of that is piggyback. Right, uh, I would say that's the the first such thing um, that that we built. Uh, actually, the first one was actually a rewards program. Um, so we started. We built a, a probably the most sophisticated marketing rewards program in the restaurant industry, um, using uh, because again, we understand with high fidelity people their individual frequency at very specific you know restaurants, and so we allow restaurants to to provide um, rewards and incentives to increase engagement and retention, mm -hmm. um, you know, in a way that no other rewards platform can really do. Um, so that was that was probably the first thing. The second thing was piggyback that we that we did, which was you know finally allowing teams of people to uh, hop on each other's orders, and in effect, we've created you know one of the first peer to peer delivery networks. That, that has no delivery fees for the customer and a significantly like nothing near the delivery you know fees that that most delivery companies charge restaurants and delivery right, right to your desk and delivery right and to your desk and somebody might pull up yeah. a chair and have lunch with you exactly yeah yeah um, so I think that's that's a second example and you know there so there's nothing I mean we're currently those products can still be a lot better and so I think for us they're still in their V1 or V2 phase sure so I think it's a lot of um, you know for this year, it's investing more heavily in those. Um, but I think whenever we, the way we think about it is um, we operate a, a two-sided marketplace. And so what we look for is things that are a win for both sides. And when we see that, um, those are the things we invest in very heavily. Uh, and so again, piggyback is a good example. You know, it was a win for the customer because it was free delivery. It was a win for the restaurant because they got delivery-like incremental, like delivery-like basket sizes, you know, yes. two or three lunches uh, without paying traditional delivery fees because there's no there's no delivery you know person to be paid right. in, the, in the middle um, so, so we like, and, and, and it's uniquely possible through digital right so that's kind of how we, we like to think about it and that. it's it 
Everybody listening who doesn't have Ritual is familiar with the email thread that says, hey, I'm going on a burger run. Who yep. wants to get on it? And then inevitably somebody would miss the email thread. And they'll. And if, not a, if not an email thread, at minimum, it's, it's a, uh, you know, a, something that's just said to the three people sitting around you, you yeah. know, the, the coffee run. That's, yeah. that's literally what it is. It's like, hey, I'm going to have a coffee. Do you want one? Yeah. Um, you know, and so I think what, we, what we've done is um, a, a lot of what we like to do is observe um, normal human behavior. And, and so like feedback wasn't this like ingenious feature. What we, what we realized was this is what people are doing, but they're doing it with the two people around them, right? C- could we use digital to let them do this with 100 people on their floor? And create that serendipity where I could hop onto someone's order even if I didn't know them, right? right? Because because and meet them in the process exactly because the, the thing we, we share is we work for the same company, we work right. on the same floor, and so I think a lot of our insights just come from how do we take the things that people are doing today, and and through the efficiency of digital because the one advantage is everyone can pay separately, everyone can order separately, so you just remove all the friction and inconvenience around coordination, right? Uh, and so, yeah, we, 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 just, we think about and I think observe things like that and just figure out how, how to use digital to make it better. Love it. And I love the whole theme through our conversation with piggyback and even before that, when we were talking about the in-store experience and how you define the experience of ritual, is that really you're using technology to bring people together. Mm-hmm. You're focusing on the human-to-human aspect of it. And technology just happens to be a conduit for that. You know, that's one of the biggest myths, I would say, that we have to often dispel when we talk to restaurants is, uh, you know, oftentimes we'll get, um, not anymore, but in the early days, we'd get an objection around, well, but I want that human interaction with my customer. Right. I, I, don't, I don't want it to be anonymous, right? And I think what, we, uh, what we're able to show them is that when you know, because when you order on Ritual, the person on the other side can see your name, they can actually see how often you've been to the store. So they would know, is this your first visit? And they can say, hey, welcome, maybe, you know, tell you a little bit more. Sometimes when I visit new cities uh, and I have a one beside my name, they'll, they'll even wonder if I'm visiting the, you know, the city. They'll be like, hey, are you from New York? Um, and, you know, so we actually have a, even though the conversation is shorter, it's much more impactful and real. And memorable. And, and memorable versus, versus a, I mean, no one wants the interaction of, hey, could I have a medium coffee, you know, decaf with, you know. With, and, it's and very transactional. Exactly. So I think that's the difference is you're moving away from a transactional payment conversation to a human conversation. And what an opportunity for that restaurant to train its customer facing individuals to say, hey, when it's the per- person's first mm-hmm. visit to us, here's three things you can find out about them or here's three things you can say about yeah. our restaurant. And con- Conversely, when some people have a hundred beside their name, yeah. right? Uh, and again, you know, the, the challenge sometimes with, with just relying on, on staff is that staff turnover. Yeah. And your entire relationship with the customer can be lost. And the memory is lost. Exactly. And, and what's interesting, it's like CRM. It's just CRM that's built into a store. Right? Yeah. Uh, so I think, again, these are, we didn't intend to do any of these things, but these are all the side, the side benefits that you get by moving to a digital platform. Love it. Well, um, Raymond Reddy. Thank you so much for spending this time with us today. You know, it's it's just around lunchtime, and all this talk about food has got me starving. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I think I'm going to place a ritual. There's a lot of, there's a lot of good ritual spots around. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks yeah. again for joining Thank us. You. Thank really you. Appreciate Pat. it. Yeah. Thank you. I'm super grateful to Ray Reddy, co-founder and CEO of Ritual. Ritual, of course, is available at the App Store and Google Play. So what are your thoughts on the notion that digital makes things better? As we hear Ray talk about it, I'm inclined to agree. I might add, digital done right makes things better, and Ritual clearly is doing things right. 
And back to my question at the top of the show. How can adding digital to your organization improve the experience you're able to give to your customers? As more and more non-digital industries are being disrupted by digital, it's worth some serious thought. I'm Pat Perdue. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.